if President Donald J. Trump and President Barack Obama can come together, then maybe we can get AOC and Candace Owens in the same room. Then maybe we can get Chris Cuomo and Sean Hannity in the same room. Then maybe we can get Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow or Anderson Cooper in the same room. Can you imagine if that were to actually become a reality? Oh my gosh. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Sean and Lacey here with you, just as we are each and every week. This week, we are super excited to be presenting to you yet again a super special guest. People must get tired of us saying that, but we bring <laughs> on some pretty amazing people that have big things to share with you. If you are a service provider and you are looking to reach more people, to make a bigger impact, and and to create the lifestyle of your dreams, well, this is the place to be. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends because we're trying to help you to make a huge, massive impact. We want to reach people with your service. We want to change the world together. And this week, our special guest is the author of Your Next Five Moves. You've also probably seen him on Valuetainment. We'll talk about that. What exactly is Valuetainment? And most recently, he's making the rounds through all of the news channels. I saw him this weekend. I saw him uh, just today. Um, everybody's talking about this desire that he has to unify, um, I would say, not just the country, because that's sort of where it's starting, but a worldwide effort to unify uh, a humanity, a thought process. Why are we so apart? What is causing us to be that way? I'm super excited to share with him. Please welcome in Patrick Bet David. Thank you so much for being on the None of Your Business podcast. Sean Lacey, it's good to be on. First of all, I was going to say, I love that name, None of Your Business podcast. What a great name. Thank, oh, thank you. you. <laughs> yes. We're super excited to have you on. We have so much to talk about. We've got Next Five Moves. We've got Valuetainment. We've got your um, efforts, your project, your inspiration of unity. We want to talk about that as well. And also, um, we did a, a quick promo with you. I also want to make sure that we talk about what you think is coming as far as the economy is concerned, as far as what it's going to look like to transact business in the upcoming 12 months and what mm -hmm. our viewers and listeners need to be doing to get ready. Let's jump in with... Um, with your book, Next Five Moves, available on Amazon. If you don't have this, we were saying during the break, um, all of our BDC coaches have read the book. So many of our Black Diamond Club members have read the book. What a phenomenal book. Five things, thinking ahead, like mm -hmm. a chess master that you need to know in order to be prepping um, and winning the game, which in large respects, Patrick, our, our audience is going to be right on right on course with you. A lot of our, our, our uh, clientele strongly believes that the game is rigged. Um, but if the game is rigged, you must then be able to anticipate. Tell us sort of this why behind the next five moves. You know, uh, uh, as a guy coming up uh, early on, uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm 22, 23 years old. I uh, wake up one morning and my phone, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me because she said I'm working too hard on a business and all you care about is your business. My mother told me 
You're not calling me anymore. What happened to the son who loved his mommy? I haven't heard from you for a while. My number one agent quit and left me in an email resigning. And the number one customer that was about to pay me somewhere around $10,000 of commission just canceled. And it's six o'clock in the morning, 6.30 in the morning and all this stuff I wake up to. And I'm sitting there. All I'm thinking myself is, what do I handle first? Do I call mom first? Do I call my girl first? Do I call the client or the agent first? If I call my mom, she's going to be able to use the typical mom guilt against me forever. So what am I going to do? Every time I want to feel guilty the rest of my life, because I haven't yet a son, met a son yet that's been able to fully make his or her mom, uh, his mom happy, right? It's just tough for us to do, but they need to know we love them. Great. Do I go meet the girlfriend that doesn't support me wanting to work my tail off and go do something big with my life? If I do go support her for a day and say we have a good time, I began, I get back into that relationship for another six months and long term, I know this is not going to work out and it's going to prevent me from having my dreams become a reality. Is that what I go solve for? Do I call the client to save the commission? Do I call the agent who wrote the policy and cancel to get the story from him? Maybe I want to get more info from the client because you know, simultaneously, both of these guys have. So who do I call? In that moment, I ask myself, I would like to know the best entrepreneur leaders in the world. What would they do first? Then second, then third, then fourth. Okay. And that whole game of what to do first became sequencing to me. So everything in my life became about sequencing, okay? Everything in my life became about sequencing. Marriage is sequencing. Kids is sequencing. Raising capital is sequencing. You raise early, you give up equity a lot. You raise early, maybe better off raising debt rather than raising equity. You know, maybe you, who do I hire first? Do I first hire an assistant? Do I hire a biz dev person? Do I bring a CFO? Do I bring a CMO? Do I bring a CSO? Who do I bring first? Do I... Go and, you know, sell to my family first. Do I sell to strangers first? You know, when I wake up in the morning, what do I do first? What is the right sequencing? When I go to the office, who do I call first? Do I call my existing clients? Do I call my prospects? Do I call the follow-ups? Do I call my big clients? Do I call my small clients? Everything in my mind became about sequencing. So the whole idea about your next five moves is to constantly be thinking about what is the next move you need to make at this current phase of your life. And why not just the next move? Why do I need to be five moves out ahead? Sure. And if you you can be just the next move, but you're going to be a statistic like everybody else if you just want to make the next move. If you sit here right now and you're not thinking about, uh, there was a time 15 years ago, I didn't even know what midterms were. There was a time 15 years ago, I didn't even know what political party I was a part of. I remember I was 14 years old. Uh, my mother asked, I asked my mother, I said, mom, everybody in school is not talking a little bit of politics because people are pissed off apparently at whoever the president is. Mom, what are we? Are we Democrats or Republicans? She said, we're Democrats. I said, really? Awesome. Why are we Democrats? She said, because Democrats are for the poor. Republicans are for the rich. I said, shit, I want to be a Republican one day. <laughs> and, and not because I want to be a Republican. My point, like, I don't even know what it means to be a Republican. I just want to be rich one day because I hated being broke. And my dad works at a 99 cent store and we're in a section eight family. I'm uh, uh, you know, lunch ticket kid going to school and selling my lunch ticket for half the grilled cheese to go buy baseball cards. And I'm collecting cans at 11 o'clock at night when my mom's asleep to go to Albertsons to, so I can make 10 bucks a night. I couldn't stand being poor. So what is political? So do I need to kind of think about what's going to happen with midterms? Do I need to think about what's going to happen to taxes in 2022? Because if 
whoever is the current president said what their tax plan is going to be. You better believe taxes are going to yeah. change next year. Should I just think about my tax plan this year? Should I be talking to my CPA or what the likelihood of a tax is changing next year? And what are some things that everything is about 10, 15 moves in the further you can go out, the bigger the advantage you have. Now, it's not easy at first to think that way. And they're not always going to be exactly the moves you think about because there's curveballs. Like when you're playing a football game, you're not always going to have the move that you have. Sometimes there's audibles you got to call. Sometimes you got to make some adjustments. Sometimes there's an ability to be nimble and make the right adjustments at the right time. But I want to have a plan moving forward. So that's why, you know, it's beneficial to have more than one move mapped out. I have to say what I love about this so much is, is, it's it's a strategy and so many people they want they always talk about timing oh it has to be the right timing we don't need to rely on timing if you understand strategy and what i like what you said that you you become a statistic if you only have the next move because one move isn't a strategy and that's where so many people get lost all they're focusing on is that one foot and right, right in front of the other one and then and then they they lose the advantage and they can't move forward and so I know a lot of people get stuck in like overthinking. Like, so how would you recommend that they begin to understand how to figure out strategy? Like, should they be following certain individuals, looking at patterns? What would be some tips for somebody really trying to get started? Thinking yeah, I, you know, uh, uh, the whole word entrepreneur was a big thing, especially in the last 10 years. Everybody wants to call themselves an entrepreneur. On Twitter, you know, profile, what are you? I'm an entrepreneur. If you go on my profile right now, it says, uh, born in Iran, made in America, because yeah. a girl said this on uh, Fox and Friends. I'm like, I love that line. I'm using that line forever. But then it says, entrepreneur since 10 years old, right? So a lot of people are like, I have to be an entrepreneur. I have to be an entrepreneur. I have to be an entrepreneur versus, no, maybe you don't need to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you need to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you need to kind of figure out what it is that you need to do that's going to help you get to the best place you want to get to. So now you ask the question, what's the fastest way to accelerate this? By a mile, I just got off a call with my CRO. My CRO is a fantastic girl. She used to be my, be, uh, be my uh, banker at WAMU 15 years ago, 13 years ago. And I would always wait in line to have her help me out, right? 14 years ago. And eventually one day, I'm sitting down. She's open up, opening up an account for one of my ISOs, a merchant account company had at that time. And I told my wife, while I'm talking to my wife, she's sitting in front of me. I said, you know, we need somebody to handle all the finances right now for one of these businesses. She says, how about me? So we hired her. She came on board. She's now been with me for 11 years and a UCLA grad, MBA, you know, the whole night. And her husband now works with us as well. And it's very important positions they play within the company. Both shareholders, both get dividends, both get equity, both make very good money. And she was asking me a question today. She says, you know, the transition the company right now is going because, you know, we now have seven, eight C-suite executives. It used to be time I was the only C-suite executive with one other person. So it was a little bit more of a nimble environment. Now we have more employees. We used to have five sales offices. Now we have 150 sales offices. We used to have 300 insurance agents. Now we got 16,000 insurance agents. We used to only sell 200 policies a month. Now we're selling 12,000 policies a month. So what do we do? And I told her something. I said, look, you have the advantage of two, two perspectives that very few people are going to have. She said, what's that? I said, you've been able to shadow a wartime leader. I'm a wartime CEO. Naturally, I'm not peacetime. I'm wartime. I'm learning how to be peacetime. Everything to me is a war. Everything's like, oh, what are we going to do? This guy's trying to take us out of the thread. We need money. We're running out. We need to be. A Everything is, hey, it's wartime. You're in that mindset. I said, you know what it is to shadow a wartime leader and how a wartime leader wins. 
I said, but now you're also getting the ability to work with other peacetime leaders. I said, don't get it twisted. Both are necessary. So you're asking a question, what's the fastest way to accelerate? If the person listening to this has the opportunity to shadow somebody at their peak, like when they're peaking, you, you have an edge over everybody else because you have to see this person when they're upset. You have to see them while they're winning, while they're losing, while they just got knocked out, while they just got their wins knocked out. You have to see them while they just got embarrassed, humiliated. How do they handle it right now? If you can have the opportunity to see that, oh, my gosh. You got years, uh, stuff that you're never going to get from an MBA. MBA, you can, you're going to go read 200 case studies of what Toyota did or what Rob Parsons did or whatever all these guys did. But when you work with somebody close, you're actually going to see how that's taken care of. So if you can figure out a way to shadow somebody, you can learn 10 years, 10 years in a span of six to 12 months. Well, this is a super small podcast, so um, maybe you'll feel a little more at ease. Uh, if we were watching you, if we were shadowing you in your most embarrassing moment in business, what would we have seen? Uh, just take a guess. I mean, make a list, all of it. What do you want to what do you want to know? You want to know about me not having a clue in a board meeting while they say, uh, anybody want to second this? And I'm just sitting, I'm like, what the hell is seconding this? I don't know what <laughs> meaning. Hey, Patrick, do you second this? I'm, I'm sorry, second what? I, I'm here with you. Do I have a second? No, do you second this? And I have to go on Google. Do I second this board meeting? Oh, I second this. Okay, great, right. You know, you're hiring people. Okay, so now you hired somebody, a C-suite executive. He's asking you, what is your expectation of me? I have no clue. I'm just like, can you just do your job? What is that? So I'm like, no idea. Just do your job. Well, I'm, how you want me to be getting? How am I going to get bonus? I don't know how to bonus. You did a good job. You know, here's ten grand. No, you got to tell me. Okay, so that's pretty messed up. Raising money. So tell me, you know, how much you, you want to give up on this? And do you want to do an RBF loan? Do you want to do a mezzanine? Do you want to do a, you know, you want an active investor, passive investor? You know, which one of these markers do you want to give up? Which one of these? I have no idea. I mean, go from the most elementary stuff to benefits, to HR, to stuff you can't say in an interview, to the dumbest things you could say in a manager's meeting, stuff that's absolutely inappropriate, to the most uh, intellectual stuff while you're dealing with $200 billion insurance companies, while you're negotiating with them in the boardroom, and you're selling them on who you're going to be one day, and you're saying some stuff that makes no sense. I've made all the mistakes, every one of them. But what I did learn, one of the best quotes I learned, I still don't know who said this quote. It said, a man being pulled by a, a dragged by a bull learns 60 times more than a man who isn't. I prefer to be dragged by the bull because I won't go, man, I learned a lot, six months in 10 years, chunking. I want to learn 10 years of material in six months. I don't want to learn... 10 years of material in 10 years. Why would I want to do that? I want to put myself in the, the, the line of fire. I want to be in it. I want to be in the heat of the moment while things are very difficult, scary, anxiety, panic, worry. Are we going to make it? Are we not going to make it? And then if you come out of that, you're a whole different human being. That's me. Now, that's not everybody, but that's what I prefer to do because that's how. So if you ask me the questions and the mistakes I've made, we wouldn't need an hour. We would need a few days to be on this podcast because this is a long list. 
That's and that's but that's so powerful for what you just shared because number one, that tells me that you're willing to put yourself in positions where you don't know the answers, but you're ready to learn them, right? And I, I can't tell you how many people struggle with putting themselves in positions that they feel like they don't know enough about. And I feel like that's not a good move. That's a dangerous move because, like you said, how long is it gonna take you to learn it versus if you just you got in the deep end and just went for it. And every successful person has those moments and fails and doesn't know something. We've been in many meetings where we've, Google's been our best friend. We're like, what did they just ask us? And you have to Google it, but how else are you going to even know to look it up? Yeah. (laughs) So how do you get good at this? Um, One of the things that I, that we talk about, you you say the same in, in, in the book, but you have to master math. Um, Mm Money moves, travels fast, deals are made quickly. Um, any tips for people to get good at math mm-hmm. once they once you do Google and you understand what they're talking about? How how come successful people have the ability to do math in their in their heads? You know, I tell you, math is not like. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm a math addict. You're talking to a guy that gets high off of doing math analysis. I mean, I'm, so you're talking to the wrong guy. I, I was in the army at 18 years old. I was bored. I had nothing to do. I went to a local library and checked out a math analysis book to just do formulas to keep me occupied. So when it comes down to that, I'm the wrong guy because I love math. Now, let's set that aside to the average person, right? What what can the average person do when it comes down to math? I was at an event uh, uh, two weeks ago. I do four events per year. Just so happens I'm doing two events in the span of four weeks. Yours is one of them. And, you know, obviously, the one that I, but I do max four speaking engagements every year. I don't have the bandwidth to go. And some of them that come to us from friends and people that we have, I, I'll make those uh, uh, opportunities and I'll go with them. So I appreciate the invite. I'm looking forward to coming and spending time with you guys. But guy asked me a question. He says, you know, I watch some of the videos you do. How the hell do you go so, you know, on the topics that you do? And I watch them like, oh my gosh, this guy's so smart. And man, you, where does he have the brain? How do you get to becoming so smart? And he had a 1.8 GP. I'm like, you know, it, it, it's such a question like that impresses people, but that's something I can actually transfer to another individual. And here's what it is. I said, say, for instance, we're having a conversation and somebody asks a question. They say, you know, you know, what's really happening right now in America is these media companies are using a, a lot of propagandas and the government's using a lot of propagandas to pin people against each other. Now, you may be somebody sitting there, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, I don't know what the propaganda is. And and what's really happening is a lot of leaders are gaslighting us. I mean, if if you're an immigrant and you've never heard the word gaslighting, that's a pretty heavy word. You're like, wait, what are they doing to us? They're gaslighting us? I'm from Middle East. You don't say gaslighting. That's a a scary word we're gaslighting. Gaslighting people? So then... If I'm at that meeting, there's a few different people. people, There's a few different ways people react to that conversation. You just heard two words you know nothing about. Okay, the average person does what? Nothing. They just shake their head. Yeah, 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 and they just walk. The level two person says, Yeah, 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 and it goes up here. Oh, propaganda definition. Okay, so they're looking at the person, just kind of looking at their phones. Information, especially in a bias or misleading nature, used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. That's right. That is prop. I got it. So propaganda. Okay. Gaslighting. You look at the definition. Okay, great. So that's level two. 
a level three person when they get in the car after they're done after being away from these people. It's like, well, I don't want to be in a conversation like this where I can't give an educated opinion on because then you're irrelevant. No one's going to remember you. So it's okay. Um, biggest propagandas, propagandas of all time, hypothetically. So I go and I'm searching it right now while I'm talking to you. So famous propaganda posters of the last 100 years. Okay. So I want you the army, when they use that, right? You join the army. Then it's the girl with the, you know, muscle. Then it's mm -hmm. hope. You know, we can do it. All this stuff. Okay. Then I kind of got the poster with, you know, perfect. Now, I, then another person goes and spends two hours researching, watching videos, educating themselves on what the idea of propaganda is. So now fast forward. Six months later, you're in a meeting. You're at a dinner. And you're trying to earn this person's business. And he is very much got opinions about politics. And he makes a couple of opinions about politics. And he said, you know what, John, uh, I'd have to agree with you. You know, when you're looking at what happened back in the 60s, when uh, some of the propaganda was used, you know, by Soviet Union, USSR, and what took place with, you know, Cuba, and you saw that kind of spreading into Venezuela and how a great nation like Venezuela went from being the largest in the world with the amount of oil they had reserves to now, you know, look what happened to their country. It's a shame what happened to it. John says, hmm, who's that guy? Mm -hmm. Now you leave. He's thinking about you, right? Okay. You asked me a question about math. I gave you an answer. This is a mathematical formula. And if you want to really know about a topic, don't just go one layer deep, two layers deep, three layers deep. Go five, six, seven, eight, nine. Now, you want to ask a basic question about math. Here's what I would say to you. When it comes down to equity, percentage, commissions, all that stuff, you have to get better at a little bit of percentage, division, and multiplication. That's pretty much it. All the other stuff, you don't need to know Pythagorean theorem. You're never going to use it in the world of business. You don't need to know CPCTC, congruent parts of congruent triangles or congruent. That's going to do nothing for you. You don't need to know all these theorems. You don't need to know any of that stuff. But you do need to know percentage. You do need to know math. And you do need to know uh, division. So it, it helps you when you're doing deals or when you're selling to be able to have a formula for it. My kids and I, when we go to lunch, we play this game. Here's how the game goes. Uh, I had a nine-year-old kid the other day, and I did this basic thing. He couldn't even hang. Uh, here's how the game starts. So my seven-year-old son, my nine-year-old son. Okay, who wants to go first? I'll go first. One times one. Daddy, it's easy. One. Dylan, two times two. Four. Three times three, Tico. Nine. Four times four. Sixteen. Five times five. Twenty-five. Six times six. 36, 7 times 7, 49, 8 times 8. The point is, that's the muscle, right? From an early age, you're getting them to just think about this stuff with the basics of math and you're giving them formulas. We don't exercise our math brain enough, and maybe sometime we need to do that more often as adults because it helps you in business. 100%. All right, I got the next one. Um, you talk about velocity. That's another thing that we talked talk about speed of transaction. And this also goes to uh, what in large part is discussed in the book, conditioning our mind to be able mm -hmm. to make great decisions, but not only to make the right decision, but to make the right decision quickly. Um, why is velocity so important in business? Oh my gosh. Cause the alternative is you're at the cemetery of businesses that didn't make it. Mm -hmm. You know, John Cotter writes a book called eight keys to lasting change. John Cotter is a former Harvard business professor, and he writes eight keys to leading change, not lasting change, leading change. So I'm leading change in my organization. We're flatlining. We're in a bad place. We need to kind of grow. 
how do I, as a leader, lead to change in my organization? Something many companies struggle with, especially right now, post-COVID, people need to learn how to lead change. And he writes all these different things. And he says, you know what's the most important thing to leading change in a company? So I know the answer to it. And after I figured out the answer to it, I'm hosting an event in Aruba with a couple hundred of my guys I took there. And I open up the conversation. I said, so what's the number one quality, key, to leading change in your company, in your organization? Vision, unifying people, similar message, you know, systems, protocols, procedure, all this stuff they say. He says the number one key to leading change is a very high sense of urgency. If you don't have a high sense of urgency, you're going to be out of business in no time. That The sense of urgency makes people nervous. The sense of urgency is the now mentality. The sense of urgency is, hey, uh, Pat, uh, it's 6.30, okay? Uh, I'm going on a date night to dinner. I got a 20-minute drive. Hey, Pat, this uh, client uh, just called uh, Mary, and she had a question for you. Tell her I call her in the morning. So subtle. Nobody sees that. Give her a number. I'm going to call her right now. Hey, Mary, Patrick, giving you a call. How are you? I'm on my way to uh, having dinner with my wife, but you're a very important client of mine. I got about 15 minutes. Tell me what's on your mind. So she could have said, I just got approached by Goldman. I just got approached by Merrill. I just got approached by whoever, and they want to take my book of business. But I wanted to call you and tell you, they asked me a question about one of the things that we have. Is it true about this, 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 that? Well, that's a great question. Let me address it with you and you go. And you say, oh, you know what? I'm so, I thought about, you're right. I'm so sorry. We're good to go. Now she keeps her book of business with you. What if I don't make that call right there? Mm -hmm. What if I said tomorrow? What if I said the next day? So this, this basic, subtle sense of urgency of, I'm going to call you now. He's going to call him tomorrow. Look at the movie Jerry Maguire. Like go, go to the movie Jerry Maguire. If you've seen the movie Jerry Maguire, the first time, the way he loses all his accounts is why? The other guy is calling everybody. Fast, and every time he calls, the other guy already met with him. Every time he calls, the other guy already. Every time he calls, the other, and he only had one person left, right? Cuba Gooden Jr. Show me the money, you know, the whole night. <laughs> and in that's in that instance, it showed that you need sense of urgency. We need to also know how to build relationship because the other guy had no clue how to build. Well, he was fake. He was all he cared about was the money, and people are eventually going to figure that part out. But if you have urgency and you do know how to develop relationships with people, velocity is about that. So, for example, velocity. Momentum is every businessman's best friend. I haven't met a businessman that doesn't love momentum. But momentum is extremely jealous. If you don't give her attention, she will leave you to anybody else because momentum looks like Marilyn Monroe. Everybody wants to be with her. Okay. Very simple. Everybody wants Marilyn Monroe. Okay. <laughs> From presidents to billionaires in Europe to mobsters, it doesn't matter. Everybody wants to have momentum. So you flinch. She's like, oh, really? You take me for granted? You're kidding me. Seriously. No problem. <laughs> Sayonara, because he wants me and you don't. That's how momentum works. So the formula for momentum is mass times velocity equals momentum. 100 calls in an hour creates more momentum than 100 calls in a day versus 100 calls in a week. Mm -hmm. Mass times velocity equals momentum. So, you know, velocity is extremely necessary. If you combine it with the right uh, part of mass activity, that generates the kind of momentum which uh, creates a certain level of urgency that helps you take your business to the next level. 
So the book is called Your Next Five Moves. Jump on Amazon. You can get it there. PatrickBetDavid.com. As he mentioned earlier, he's going to be with us at Summer Camp, www.comtosummercamp.com. Make sure that you engage on all of these things. And if for some reason, I don't know, you just got an iPhone, um, he's on every single um, social media channel. Make sure you plug in. He's dropping great content all the time. Super valuable and super useful. Let's jump on that political soapbox for a second um, because you do a lot of work where you talk a lot about politics. Um, but like you said, historically, you know, kind of learning it, navigating it, not even being born in the country. So not having like an invested interest in one side or the other. Um, from where you sit, what, what do you see going on in this country, in the United States, in our politics? Yeah, so uh, there's a few things you have to be, a uh, uh, few organizations that we have to keep in mind that has influence over us, okay? So let's go through all of them. Number one is the influence of a president. Number two is the influence of Congress, okay? Uh, then you got governors and senators. So let's put those guys together. Congress, Senate, governor, let's put them together. President, let's put them by, by himself. Then you got our educational system that we have, universities, okay? Then you have virtual governments, which is such as Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Mm. You know, those are essentially for virtual governments. And then you have church that you're uh, dealing with. And uh, then you have mainstream media. Okay, so let's put those out there. Obviously, you got Hollywood on that list as well. But let's set Hollywood aside as much as they play a very, very big role. Okay, I don't know if people know this or not. Just an interesting fact. Do you know who produced the first Titanic movie? Producer, no. Mm -mm. Do you know who was the first director of the first Titanic movie? Okay. The first director of the Titanic movie was a German leader who started World War II. Okay. Do you know what his name is? It's exactly who you think it is. It's first name is Adolf. You know what his last name is? Right. He produced Titanic. And in the first Titanic, if you go Google it, I want to encourage you to do it. So remember, layers deeper, go to Wikipedia, type in Titanic, the first one, and then control F Hitler. You'll see it. In the movie, guess who the hero is in that movie? The hero in that movie is a Nazi soldier. He mm -hmm. saved the world. So in that movie, it got people to think, oh, my gosh, what a noble cause, right? Let's talk about power of movies. John Q, Denzel Washington, one of my favorite movies of all time. What did John Q get, get us to think about? John Q got American people to think about even poor people need health insurance. Mm -hmm. John Q was about Affordable Health Care Act way before we even thought about it because all we saw is that scene when he said, I don't bury my son. I've got the chills all over my body. Mm -hmm. My son buries me. I don't bury my son. Remember that, remember that emotional session where he's standing right there. He's about ready to give his heart and we're all in tears crying. And we're feeling it. You sat there and you said, why the hell is that doctor saying no to a $250,000 heart and you're not giving it to this poor kid? You wish you give it to him. We sat back and we said, oh, my God. I, okay, I have to pay attention to this argument a little bit more, right? Okay. Go to social media today, okay? Go to the amount of uh, mind uh, uh, that are watching social media versus mainstream. Go look at mainstream media that you know their business model if you had to really study the business model of mainstream media how does the, how does mainstream media make money any c letter word is how they make their money change you know conflict controversy that's how they make their money so the more of there is of that the more money they make look at today 
these mainstream medias don't make money. If you go, so the other day I'm doing my podcast and I went up there and I went on Fox, okay? And I went on CNN and MSNBC's YouTube channel. We're testing, testing this live. I went to the last two weeks of Fox, CNN, and MSNBC, all the videos they uploaded on YouTube, and I looked at their top 15 most viewed videos. What keyword was in all of them? Watch this. In MSNBC, 13 out of the 15 titles all had one word in every single one of them. What do you think that one word was in 13 out of the top 15 most viewed videos? What do you think that one word is? It's a T-letter word, and you know what it is. It's called Trump, right? If you go on Fox, and when, when I looked at their top 15 videos, out of the top 15 videos, what word do you think they have? And you're not going to get this one right because most people will say Biden, but it wasn't Biden. Out of the 15 videos, 10 out of the 15 was Kamala. Because whoever people like, dislike on the opposite side more, that brings eyeballs. So we can't be naive about it and not realize that they're both toying with us because they both know what gets our level of interest. One side hates one guy, one side hates the other guy. Keep talking about it because that's sell. So we have to be a little bit more aware to know that this is taking place. And these are some of the conversations that we need to be having with our kids as they're growing up. Because if you don't have these types of conversations, the teachers will, the professors will. And then eventually they're going to be naive and buying to something else. So there was a time that I didn't believe in knowing anything about politics. There was a time that I didn't want to know anything. But I read a quote once by Plato. I think it was by Plato who said, those who... Uh, those who don't study politics will be governed by fools who do. Let me mm -hmm. say that one more time. Those who don't study politics will be governed by fools who do. Well, we've got a kind of few fools in, you know, politics today <laughs> that we should kind of be paying attention to what's really taking place because my future is kind of predicated on me paying attention to this stuff. And there was a time where we followed that basic rule in business. You know what the basic rule, by the way, a lot of people still follow what I'm about to tell you. The basic rule in business is what? Never talk about, you know, politics. Never oh, yeah. talk about religion. Never talk about this stuff because you're going to offend people. Well, here's what I've learned from billionaires and most rich people I know. Some of the most powerful people that I know, rich people that I know, that's all I want to talk about, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. What do you want me to do? Like they And low and middle income people don't want to talk because we're not supposed to. No, I'm sorry. I want to know what the hell is going on. You know, Warren Buffett spends four hours a day reading the news. What do you think he's reading about? Do you think he's just reading about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds? No, he's probably reading about everything that's going on because it affects his business. So I, I uh, the moment I figured out this part, I try to fight it as much as possible. But then I realized, you know, today there's one thing that's missing in America. There was a book called, written by uh, Lawrence Miller. It's called Barbarians to Bureaucrats. And in the book, he talks about, uh, different phases companies go through. The first phase, you have a profit. The profit is George Washington. The profit is Benjamin Rush. The profit is Adams, Franklin, you know, Jefferson. They're the profits. We have an idea. We escape. We'll go away from Britain. We start our own country called United States of America. Then you have the barbarians. So the profit is also Steve Jobs. He's the visionary. One day, we're going to be this, right? Then you have the barbarians. The barbarians are the ones that are not afraid to go to war and battle it out. Sometimes the prophet is a barbarian, like Jobs was a prophet, but he's also a barbarian. Washington was a prophet, but he's also a general. So he, sometimes you have both of them. Then shows up the builders and explorers, okay, which they start building the next day. Hey, you know, uh, uh, John D. Rockefeller, I'm going to go build trains. Andrew Carnegie, I'm going to go build whatever business. J.P. Morgan Chase, they build. Builders and explorers. Let's go see what we can build over here. Then show up the administrators, lawyers, which screw everything up. Then after the administrators, 
comes the bureaucrats and aristocrats. Then shit's hit the fan. Shit hits the fan. If you're lucky in every country and organization or company, a synergist shows up. When a synergist shows up, the synergist specializes in three things. They diffuse issues, they unify, and they're glues. And a synergist has to have a strong personality that's not afraid of both sides. The synergist has to earn the respect of both sides. The synergist has to be able to have strong core values that they stand up for, yet they can entertain opposing ideas. And a synergist has to be able to respect and accommodate opposing ideas where you can sit down and have a civil conversation with people to bring people from both sides closer and closer and closer. Today in America, because we're not talking with each other, we're getting further out. We kind of need to bring people together and just sit down and argue a little bit. Nothing worse you know, in a marriage. Worry when husband and wife don't argue. If husband and wife are arguing, they're probably doing okay. If they're not arguing, I guarantee they're probably arguing with somebody else. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's kind of better for the two of you to argue than to argue with somebody else. So that I don't know what you got out of my what I just said the last five minutes, the rant I went on about politics, but that's kind of how I see politics today. Yeah, and I think it, no, there's a lot of value there. And one of the things that you touched on briefly, what about a lot of the people, maybe actually in the middle, that feel like they the one of the reasons why I hear that people don't get involved. I mean, in, I mean, and in, in to the level that you're involved, it's a different involvement, you personally, but it is a big involvement. But a lot of people don't want to even sniff out being involved because they feel like it doesn't matter. What do you say to those mm. people? Uh, okay, so let's play that. Let's say it doesn't matter. Let's say you you don't want to do that. So a few things you have to be thinking about. Uh, one, you can play the cards of. I just don't want to participate because it hits my pocket. Fine. Then your motivator is money. Mine's not. My motivator is freedom. I came from Iran. Money is easy to make in this society. Money is not easy to make in Cuba. It's just not. Money is not easy to make in Venezuela. Money is not easy to make in a lot of different places. Money is easy to make in America. What's harder to have is freedom, not money. There are many places you can make money. There are not a lot of places you can be free. Uh, the, the currency I value the most is freedom, not money. C that's my currency. I want that currency because if I don't have that currency, what the hell is the purpose of having a fingerprint? What is the purpose of me being able to talk? What is the purpose of me being able to think? What is the purpose of me being able to have a heart? So I can't communicate my feeling to you, so I have to act. So essentially, we all become actors and fake people. Is that what we want to die as? We want to die being fake people and afraid of standing up for what we believe in? So again, now somebody may say, my currency is money. Then you and I don't think the same. That's I don't disrespect you. I respect your position. But my currency for why we escaped Iran after living in Iran for 10 years and my parents got a divorce twice in 20 years, I value freedom. And I'm going to fight for freedom. Money is like not even in the top three. Uh, money comes naturally if you bring value to the marketplace. Money is turned on just like a 19-year-old girl is attracted to a guy with nice six-pack and muscles. It, money is attracted to men and women who provide value. It's that simple. It's all a value-based market that we're in. So somebody says, I don't want to deal with it because I don't think I can make an impact. I actually think that's noble when somebody says that. Because they really are like, Pat, I honestly don't think I can make an impact. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. In life, you can never compare yourself to how this person makes a bigger impact than me. Who am I to really do anything? 
I, I don't think that's the right way to be thinking about. There's levels to this game. And what I mean by levels to this game is when we have, you know, when I have a lunch meeting or I'm sitting at the kitchen and I'm talking to my employees, I'll ask them a question. I'll say, so what do you think about what Elon Musk just did? How important do you think it is the fact that Bezos went to space and came back and it took a few people with him? What do you think about the speech he gave at the end when he said, I want to thank all the employees because you paid for it? You think the speechwriter wrote the right speech for him? You think he kind of screwed up right there? You think Bezos is a good public speaker? You think he's better off behind closed doors or on camera? You think he likes the camera? We just have a discussion together because we're improving. How would you have done it? What would you have said? Let's just say you went to space and you land. Everybody wanted to talk to you. What would you tell them? What would your message be if you're Bezos running Amazon? We're at my house, Thanksgiving. I'll always start a debate and a discourse. Hey, what do you do if your daughter's boyfriend slaps her in the face and you find out about it through one of your siblings? What do you do to her? What do you do to him? Do you go and whoop his ass? Do you go and make that one phone call to the person you know that you know they can destroy him? What happens if you do that? Then one of my VPs operations, she says, Pat, you can't do that. I said, why not? She said, because I was just watching a show on Netflix where the man is at one of her daughter's weddings and he's there about to walk his daughter down the aisle and his other daughter is dating this guy that he doesn't like. And while he's in the back, the daughter's uh, in the back with her boyfriend, the boyfriend slaps her in the face and one of the cousins sees it. The cousin comes and whispers to the daughter's dad that, hey, your daughter just got slapped by the boyfriend. They walk in. The father knocks out the boyfriend in front of 600 people at the wedding. And daughter says, daddy, how could you do that? I love him. And she runs off and leaves him for two and a half years. And daddy doesn't see the daughter. You have to be able to control your emotions. And I'm sitting there saying, uh, you know, uh, you, you, this guy slapped my daughter. You can't do that, Pat. You can't do that. What do you mean I can't do that? That's how we improve by having this kind of conversation. And my blood's getting, and I'm just like, what do you mean? And, and I say, you know what? She's right. I, I, she's right. Like, what are you, I'm going to lose my daughter for two and a half years. I don't want to lose my daughter for two minutes. I want to be able to spend that quality time. I love kissing her. I love touching her. I love her sitting in my lap. I love having her around me, right? So to the person that thinks they can't make an impact, man, listen, you can make so much of an impact at dinner every night. You can make so much of an impact when you're Sunday, people coming over, you're just sitting having a discourse together. You can have so much of an impact by just basically talking about values and being willing to hear each other on and asking people, why'd you come up with this one thing? Like I have one rule, you know, what kind of people I don't debate? Let me tell you what kind of people I don't debate. There's a guy that wrote a book about guns. He used to be pro-gun. Now he's anti-gun. The reason why he's anti-gun is because somebody came into his house, broke into his house. He had guns everywhere because he's a country guy. The robber took one of the guns and took out his daughter. Who the hell am I to debate him on that issue? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not even going to waste an, an ounce. That's an insult if I do that. Right. I'm insulting you because that's a, that's an emotional issue to you. I'm, who am I to try to change your mind? The, me trying to change your mind in, in the way you can interpret it as saying, you don't respect my daughter's life? Who do you think you are? I think those are the arguments that we just need to not have. And that's why it's better to ask more questions. Johnny, how did you come to conclusion of believing in this? Tell me why you're a Democrat. Why are you a Republican? Why are you a Christian? What made you become a capitalist? Why do you believe in socialism? Why do you think we ought to keep extending the eviction moratorium? Why do you think we ought to raise interest rates? Why do you think we ought to raise taxes? How did you come up with this conclusion? Who influenced you on your politics? Are you more 
just by asking more questions and hearing people out, then we can make our own impact, especially if somebody's in the middle independent, because the people that have the ability to make the biggest impact, quite frankly, are the ones in the middle. Because the people in the middle, what they have is they pull everybody in a little bit. Mm -hmm. The people on the right just pull everybody in that side and the people on the left. So the moment you fight, but a person in the middle is like, okay, you make sense. You make sense. The goal isn't to get everybody here, but you know, this is about right. Right now we're here. This yeah. is catastrophic if we go the way we're going right now. So somebody has to realize that freedom is not easy to have. And if there's anything that's worth fighting for historically, it's always been freedom. And not only that, now you have put up $5 million of your own money to host former President Donald Trump, former President Barack Obama. Listening to you, you are the perfect person to sit in the middle of this mm -hmm. discussion. No one better. Perfect. Do you think it will happen? If yes, why? And if not, why not? You know, uh, somebody on Twitter today said, um, they said, uh, Barack Obama, not in a million years, should sit down with a sleazy person as, you know, Donald Trump. You know, we don't need people like that in power because it's people like that, that America got to where we are today. Right. That's what she said. And it's on my Twitter account. Somebody wants to see it. Then I responded with this. And by the way, this person's a verified person, a very well-known author. She's done some work. I say comments like this is exactly why America is divided. The idea of both sides thinking they're too holy to sit down with the opposing party is how we got here. MLK was willing to sit down with just about anyone to unite America. Be loyal to America, not just your political party. So that's my response to her right when I told her that. Now, there's people on the other side that are saying Trump should never sit down with Obama because Obama and Barry and all this stuff. And look, you know, you can say whatever you want to see. You can have different, you know, a Yankees and a Red Sox fan can say the Red Sox suck and the Yankees suck because they're this, they're that. Totally fine. It's all good. You know, you don't have to agree with it or disagree with it. But I think we kind of uh, need to get back to having conversations, you know, I've had friends of mine that we've had a fallen out and we didn't get along and something happened. You know what a 15 minute conversation did? It eliminated 90% of the issues we had. Siblings, you get into fights. You know what a 30 minute conversation does? The longer you wait in your mind, you think what she said or he said is more disrespectful than what he or she said versus you just make the phone call. The spouse, you don't want to talk to for a few days. Just have the conversation. The friend you had a fallen out with, the coworker you had a fallen out with, the boss, the business partner, the investor, just have a conversation with them. So imagine if these two got together. What does that tell the rest of the world? What it tells the rest of the world is if President Donald J. Trump and President Barack Obama can come together, and these are two people who have completely opposing ideas and have a different way they view America. Why can't you and I? I'm sorry, why can't you and I? Why can't you and your sister? Why can't you and your brother? Why can't you and your ex-wife? You guys have three kids together. Your kids are still under 18. You guys don't want to talk to each other. You know how catastrophic that is to the future of your kids? If those guys can come together, so can you. Then maybe we can get AOC and Candace Owens in the same room. Then maybe we can get Chris Cuomo and Sean Hannity in the same room. Then maybe we can get Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow or... Anderson Cooper in the same room. Then what happens? 
Yeah. First of all, we're definitely going to be entertained a lot. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. You know who wins? When two ideas clash, a great idea is born. You'll always see a great idea is born is when two other ideas clash. But if an idea stays by itself and doesn't clash against other ideas, it may not be the best idea. So, you know, do I believe this is going to happen or not? I wouldn't do it if I didn't believe it can happen. I'm, I'm putting $5 million of my own money in the last five days. We've raised an additional $800,000, but like $830,000. One guy from India who's a corporate attorney in India gave $137,000 because he says, how Amer the more united America stays, the better we do in our country in India. Here's a guy from India giving $137,000. What does he have to do with America? Look how big of an impact U.S. has on the rest of the world. So, look, we're, we're in conversation with some of the people on in each camp. Um, whether this happens or not, I'm going to keep pushing and raising money until it gets to a point where they don't have a choice but to say yes. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, I don't know what that dollar amount is. I'm sure if it gets to an amount where... Maybe you don't want to take that money, but you can give it to a charity. And if your name is President Obama, you can give it to Chicago and help some of those cities that you grew up in. Or your name is Donald J. Trump and you like veterans. You want to give some money to the veterans who need this kind of money. Maybe that's going to get to them. But we're in communication right now with a lot of people. And, you know, people are reaching out to me from all media platforms. They're writing it. Three of the biggest Chinese uh, 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 online websites wrote about it. It's being written about in Russia. It's being written about all over the place because people actually are wondering if this happens to America who would be tuning in? It'd be a bigger event than the Super Bowl mm -hmm. if people were to tune in. Everybody in the world would stop for three hours to watch this discussion. Can you imagine if that were to actually become a reality? Oh, my gosh. So, yes, I think it, I think it could happen. But uh, the only reason it won't is the people that are in their ears will prevent it from happening. The same problem we've had for a long time. They got to be able to make a decision for themselves to not allow the people that are in their ears to change their minds of not doing it. They got to have the courage to say, America's more important than the Republican Party. America's more important than the Democratic Party. Well, and I think that's what came up for me when you said if these people got in a room together, who would win? Um, the American people. I mean, and that's what this is all about. And so I love what you're doing and, and putting that out there. And your strategist mind is not thinking about what's happening right in front of you. I heard you say it. You um when you put it out there, you were talking about your kids and you want your kids to have the opportunities and the freedoms. And that's how somebody like you thinks we're thinking about what does the future look like? So we have one last question for you as we, as we close this out, cause we want to respect your time, but with everything that's going on right now in the United States, what do you think potentially could happen to the economy and what should business owners and people like us be doing and preparing if we want to win? So years ago, I was in the health insurance business and I got out of it. The reason why I got out of it is because health insurance became a, uh, a governmental product and they split the commission multiple times. It went from a good 15 percent to 7 percent to 4 percent. And you couldn't compete in the marketplace because you're competing with the government. And if you compete with the government, you ain't never going to win because they don't care if you leave a negative review on their you know, glass door. They don't care. Who you, you ever told the DMV person? I want to write a review about you on Yelp. They say, I'm sorry, go write it. I told you them. Nobody gives a shit if you want to write a negative. We're freaking working for the public. We don't matter if I get the hell out of here. They can talk to you that way and no one cares, right? right. <laughs> so, so you know, uh, uh, for me, if somebody is watching this, you have to know what you have zero control over and don't put any energy into things you have no control over, meaning uh, what's been done is done with the election process. Stop worrying about it. It's been done. Okay, 
If you want to do anything different about it, we'll make the adjustments. Taxes are going up next year, no matter what. So that's an inevitable thing. Powell is probably going to keep the interest rates low till 2023. Mm -hmm. So that's the number everybody keeps talking about. And he keeps saying it, that that's the direction it's going. Inflation is coming. We printed six and a half trillion dollars of money. 40% of all of America's money ever printed was printed in the last 16 months. Let me say that one more time. 40% of all the money America ever printed was printed in the last 16 months. We're a 245 year old country. In the last 16 months, 40% was printed. Now, here's a one, one of the things we learned. If there's a case study we learned was the following. They six and a half trillion dollars, three and a half trillion dollars went to the government. Say the other three trillion dollars trickle down to the people, the money they give all this other stuff. Who got richer the last 16 months? Did the poor get richer? Did the rich get richer? Did the super rich get like crazy richer? Oh my gosh. At the beginning of the pandemic, I think Musk was only worth $25 billion. Mm -hmm. He's worth a couple hundred billion dollars. Bezos worth a couple hundred billion dollars. Balmer just joined a hundred billion dollar camp. I made more money in the last nine months than I've made my entire lifetime. Let me say that one more time. I made, I'm 42 years old. I made more money in the last nine months than in my entire lifetime. Why is that? Here's why. Because if you give money to people that don't know how to handle money, the money's always going to flow to the top. Always. If you give money to the 23-year-old Pat, I'm going to spend it. If you give money to the 42-year-old Pat, I know how to make more money with it because they have a net now. So if somebody's watching this, you have to know that this is not the last time shutdown is going to be done. Just know that the last 18 months, the shutdown model worked for elections. So you have to have a business model that is bulletproof and it's shutdown proof, that is pandemic proof, because politics is all about manipulation. So if your product is not pandemic proof, if your product is not Zoom proof, if your product isn't something that can make money during times where people are not going to go in public, you just have to keep that part of mind. Now, a few other things. If you're running a business and your business is online where you can live in a different state, if you're running a business where you have to be in a market, you're in a Hollywood business, you have to be in L.A. I get it. If you're, you're, you're a stockbroker and you're money manager, let's just say you, you're on Wall Street, New York, and you've been there for a while, you kind of can't get away. Fine. But if you're in a business where you can move, you ought to consider moving to a different state today. I moved. I lived in California 24 years. I moved my insurance headquarters from California to Dallas. I was there for five years and I've been in South Florida now for the last six months. OK. And Florida to me is if California and Texas had a baby, it would be Florida. Very simple. That's kind of how I see it when I think about Florida. So you got to think about areas you want to move to because you have to think about taxes, low regulation. You have to think about who's more control hovering all over you, like New York, California, Illinois, and who's going to give you a little bit more breathing room. I did a video one time titled 10 Reasons Why I Moved to Florida. If you've never seen it, I give you my 10 reasons why I moved to Florida. So you got to think about moving. But at the same time, let me let me give you some good news. Just like the rich got richer the last 16 months and the poor got poorer in the last 16 months, there was also a lot of new wealth that was made in the last 16 months. A lot of new wealth. A lot of new wealth. What does that mean? The next 6, 12, 24 months, those who have the right strategies in place post-pandemic, just watch what kind of money is about to be made the next 24 months. Just watch. Just watch what kind of money is about to be made next 24 months. And not only that, 
just watch what kind of new leaders are going to be born the next 24 months. We're going to have the kind of influencers who come out only after crisis where people are going to say, wow, that guy made a name for himself during crisis. That girl made a name for himself during crisis. That couple made a name for that business made a name for themselves during times of crisis is when you win. So we're going to find out in the next 24 months who got lucky the last 16 months and who didn't get lucky the last 16 months. That's just the truth. The market's going to reveal a lot to all of us over the next two years. We're very quick to pick in our rabbits too early. We pick our winners too early. Hey, 10 years ago, social media influencers, well, this guy's going to be it forever. The market doesn't work that way. The, 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 the key with the market is who can stay relevant the longest and who can have hits after hit after hit after hit after hit. Stevie Wonder and Sting, they have had a number one hit in four different decades. If you can stay relevant, it's because you can win in good times, in bad times, in terrible times, and obviously in great times. But the next 24 months, there's going to be some weird money being made. If you think real money was made, there's some weird money is about to be made in the next 24 months. That totally reminds me of the book Pendulum, you know, where we're two years away from the peak of the we society. But we're now inside the window when you will see the emergence of the figures that that signal that trend Trend. that shift Mm -hmm. um i mean and that just fits exactly what patrick is saying thank you so much for being with us you crushed it we honestly cannot wait to meet you in person to share with you and i'm going to tell you this on the podcast we have a very special surprise for you really surprise that has only been given it's a surprise not an award but a surprise that has only been given to two people on the planet kobe bryant and sarah blakely so you can just like kind of figure oh, out kind of how that you're works. Lots of clues away. So <laughs> we can't wait to see you. No other speaker is getting this other than you. We're gonna we're gonna make your entire weekend worth it. I promise you that. <laughs> we can't wait to see you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to being with you guys uh, here in a few weeks. Thank you so much, Patrick, for being on. Hey, everybody, we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Until then, take care of your friends, your family. Be safe. Let's get out and touch a lot of people's lives.